So I got JFL four years into it, which in retrospect was way too soon to get it because uh-huh. like you don't think you're ready it happened for it? early it's not that i didn't think i was ready i think it was just that i thought that that was going to be a huge turning point for me yeah because it went it went really well and i came back that week and i got a manager and an agent and i was like okay Fuck, rocket ship to the moon baby you know yes, like yes. this is great and realized. then what happened <laughs> <laughs> and what happened i continued walking dogs for another seven years yeah within six months my manager who was uh, with New Wave Entertainment. They had a bunch of budget cuts they had to shut down. And then so I still had an agent and then she kept me for another couple of years. And then she called me her last day with the agency and was like, I'm moving to LA to become a manager. But the whole thing was kind of a blessing in disguise because when I lost both of them, it was like, all right, I really got to pull myself up by the bootstraps and and like really start working. Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. This weekend, we've got DC's Best Showcase at Big Hunt and Chad Daniels at DC Draft House. You can get tickets and information on the website. Our guest today is Doug Smith. Doug is a very funny comic from New York. I met Doug over five years ago during my first weekend working at a club. Doug was the feature and I was the MC for Tommy John again at Arlington Draft House. Since then, Doug has gone on to do Conan on TBS, and this is not happening on Comedy Central. And I am the host of a podcast, so it makes perfect sense to record our conversation. In this episode, Doug talks about his time as a Jehovah's Witness, getting and losing representation, and navigating the early stages of a comedy career. One man, I feel like you hear the word one man show and people's eyes glaze over like, oh, fuck characters. and It shit. does. Yeah. It's just going to be like a thematic stand up show. You know OK. What I mean? So it's just like more like it's a, just me, like a Colin, Colin Quinn, sort exactly, of thing, exactly. You know, exactly like it's stand up, but it's just me doing. Yeah. A Berbiglia, Colin Quinn yeah. uh, style thing. Exactly. I think that's going to become more common. Yeah. I think more people are going to do that. Just, uh, just because there's so much stand up being created now that. People are just looking for interesting ways to do it. Right, right. So, is that what you're going to record? No, no. Okay. So that's a, that's why, like, I wanted uh, this album is just jokes. It's just like I've been I, I hit the ten year mark in January, so it's just like you know I, th- I think some people might think oh so it's ten years worth of jokes, but it's like no, the first six years yeah, I was doing sure. stand up was garbage. Of course, so it's like you know maybe two or three bits from then, but right? Th- most of it is like the last four years or so. So, but it's still like it is still a lot of time to build yeah. up those jokes. Right, right. It is a, it a lot goes in. I feel like that first album, so much goes into it. Sure, like everything you love. Yeah, is yeah, in yeah. It, you know, yeah. yeah. But I also feel like once it's done, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm exactly. not, yeah, not yeah. touching that shit again. I, I don't know if like, and I don't know how people do it. Like you do that stuff, you do you do an album. And then like, if you keep going back out on the road right after that, like you can't just completely have a new hour. It's just like you're yeah, it hopefully is. just plugging in some new parts. It's slowly weeding out some of the old. I guess, is there going to be, would, there will be a little bit of a gap between when you record the album and when That's true. it comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. But yeah, but not enough to have a whole new hour. Right, right. I saw uh, Anthony Jeselnik about, 
I don't know, six months after his first album came out, uh, Shakespeare. Yeah. And it was half of the, half of that set was that album. Yeah. Still. Right. Right. Um, and I, th- cause I think it's really hard to turn over those types of jokes. Those yeah. are, those jokes are, are really hard to, they're so sure. short yeah. to fill up a whole new hour of them. is yeah. really a lot of jokes, but yeah, I think, and now that, that was probably six or seven years ago, whenever that album came out. But, uh, right. I think it, it is, people have continued to push even further past that to where that's not even happening where, where yeah. there's a repeated stuff. But uh, yeah, also, when you're like before you're famous you know how many people in the audience if you go like at a random comedy club how many people ever like listen to your album you yeah know? that's true small yeah, percentage you're not going to get anybody that's like hey i heard this shit before. yeah and even you though do, those people those are your da- yeah. diehard fans yeah right, right i know all those jokes of yours <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah another, yeah another cool thing though uh you know nathan mcintosh have you had him down here I've never I know who he is but I've never met him. He just he just released a new album that is 22 minutes long. Okay. And I think that's awesome yeah. because like it's almost like a Kanye West sort of uh aesthetic in a way of like why 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 release why, why release an album that's an hour long if there's a lot of like filler in there that you're just trying to fill that time whereas this I listened to it on the drive down yesterday just 22 minutes of just straight killer like speed bag yeah. laughs and like yeah like you can sit and listen to a 22 minute album you're yeah, not gonna get bored that's right you know it is a lot easier to listen to 22 minutes yeah you can uh that's like right when you start to you have to be locked in to get past that 20 minute yeah yeah uh part of an album and uh, but the other thing is too it's like there's 22 minute comedy specials on tv right everybody's fine with that yeah. Everybody yeah. watches that and they watch an hour. Why is there just one length of album? Yeah, it makes no sense. It doesn't it's a, it doesn't need to be. It's no. not for any reason. I don't no. I think the original reason is probably like the length of a record. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. so it's silly to to be to stick to that. So that is Yeah, I think people are being more experimental now. You're starting to see more uh more di- more different ways of doing things. Right. Which is it's cool. I can count on one hand the amount of comics that I can watch an entire hour special without getting yeah. distracted or like yeah. tuning out for a minute. Yeah, it's hard. And then when you hear like when you hear about comics doing live shows where they do like an hour and a half, yeah. it's like that sounds awful. Yeah, it sounds yeah, awful definitely. to be doing it and it sounds like even if I was in the crowd I'd be like this is a long time to listen to a dude talk. It, it is for sure, <laughs> you know. Michael Che was he he did the festival here three years ago and uh, he did about maybe almost two hours. Yeah. And it was uh, people liked it. People were still into it. But man, it was so late by the end of it. It was like a Thursday and it was like a like a 930 show. So it was like midnight. Yeah. uh, When uh, when he was like wrapping it up. but yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot to listen to. Yeah. I just saw Norm Macdonald also. That was way too long. Yeah. Yeah, just waited. That I was so ready for that to be over by yeah, the end yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, Because he's great, but his cadence is so slow that like after a while you're just like, all right, man. Yeah, yeah. And it's all it's all, it's also scattered too. Yeah. That there it's not like it it's not building to something. Right. It's not like 
like you're in the home stretch and then like there's a momentum building and then there's going to be a big finish. It's like, it's just random jokes right. slapped together. Uh, or that's what it appears like, like that's anyway. A, that's exactly why I feel like this formula of doing a more thematic thing is the way, is the way to go because yeah. like, I don't it's know. More like, interesting. Yeah. You could keep just, you know, writing just disparate jokes and piecing them together. But like, I don't know. I feel like it just kind of gets old and there's enough, for me personally, I feel like there's enough experiences that I've had in my life. Jehovah's Witnesses, like, you know, 20 years of material to draw, yeah. to experience to draw from in terms of material. Um, also, like, I'm, I'm, I'm probably getting ahead of myself. But after this, I think I'm going to do a thing about how I was a dog. I was a dog walker in New York City for 13 years. And that there's some crazy stories yeah. from that, too. That um, is less unique. Yeah. For a comedian. Yeah. Jehovah's Witness, very unique for a comedian. <laughs> Dog Walker, not as unique. <laughs> but still. Right. <laughs> so you've got your album coming up, then your one-man show. Right. And then your sec your follow-up one-man show, Dog Walker. I mean, I don't know. I think you might have taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> oh, did, oh, did I on the Dog Walker? Oh, sorry. Maybe I'll just write a book. I did, sorry, write I did an animated show. Well, you know what? The, you're fun. You're right, though, because there is a lot of there is a lot of comic dog walkers. It's just like nobody's done anything about it yet. Yeah, the, everybody just had, to me. what it is, is in, you know, it's just that 30 percent of New York comics have one dog walking joke. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they have one Internet dating joke. Right. They have one Internet porn joke. Yeah. A dog yeah, yeah. walking joke. Yeah, you know. that's true. That's true. There are a couple of Jehovah's Witness, you know, Kurt Metzger was Jehovah's Witness. Oh, yeah, and, that's uh, right. Donald Glover was also raised Jehovah's Witness. I did. I had much more lenient. He grew up like in a foster home. So like his, yeah. I think his parents were just like trying to keep tabs on everybody. It wasn't as strict as. Yeah, yeah. As me and uh, and Kurt. I've never actually talked to Kurt about it, but. Did um, Kurt talk about it in his stand up? Yeah, yeah. He has a great bit, which I'm not going to do justice, but like he, he basically. He get he comes around to saying he was Jehovah's Witness, but he kind of presents it like I was a I was a minister for a while, which you really are. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're going door to door. You really are a minister when it gets down to brass tacks. And he was like, people are <laughs> terrified of Jehovah's Witness. Like there could be a psychopath with a severed head hiding behind a couch. Be like, how the fuck did they get here? You know, don't answer the door. Like people will do anything to hide from yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses. Kurt is kind of scary, though. Yeah. To be honest. I would be, I would hide yeah. if he was at my front if door <laughs> and I didn't know he was coming. I would right, be afraid. Right. Yeah. That's, I think, uh, so have you start, have you performed any of this material yet? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done, I've had a lot of jokes about it that I've done in sets over the years, yeah, but I, I always feel like, you know, just doing a couple of jokes on it here and there. It's, it's, it's like, it requires it requires more of a like a a deep dive into it rather than just kind of like touching upon it because yeah. I feel like so many people are pretty clueless as far as what the religion entails and what it what you know the the principles of it and what what goes into it. Even I don't know. Yeah. Even someone like myself who knows so many <laughs> who things, knows everything. <laughs> I really don't. I, all I know is the door to door thing. Yeah. It's all I know about it. Right, right. What is what is so weird about it? So it like, sounds no, weird. Yeah. I mean it is. It's basically like 
it it basically is kind of it is kind of a cult. I mean, it's not as bad as like I grew up uh, going to these Jehovah's Witness conventions upstate, and we would pass these Hasidic communities on the way up there, uh-huh. and I would always like look out the window, and be like, oh, geez, at least it's not that bad. Uh-huh, you know? Yeah, like we don't have to wear fucking uniforms yes. or anything. Not but, as bad, not yeah. as bad. But like, I couldn't. Th- you're completely kind of kept in a bubble and not and and kind of discouraged from hanging out with uh quote unquote worldly people as they call them which is basically anybody that's not a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. So I couldn't do any extracurricular activities. Just got to try to avoid the world. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's stay in here, yeah. Don't look at it. So like I couldn't play sports, couldn't go to school no dances, nope. Um, no holidays. What's the uh reasoning behind not playing sports? It's just like it's it's as simple as not wanting you to hang out with people that aren't Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, they, they think just you're gonna don't be corrupted. Okay, yeah. Oh, they're just keeping you away from. It's and nothing against it? sports or dancing or anything like that. It's against the people that are not affiliated with the religion. And they want you. And this is basically Christianity. Yeah, it is. Is it a weird? Is it? Are they changing the Christian beliefs? Well, to give them credit, they adhere completely to the Bible. So, okay. like, if you, re- if you read the Bible, they, yeah. you will not find a single Jehovah's Witness principle that cannot be found in the Bible. Okay. Um, which you could argue is good or bad, really. But th- it's, it's very antiquated because, for example, like, the Bible condemns homosexuality. And we're in 2019, sure. and Jehovah's Witnesses... You'd think like, oh, maybe they've come around on that. No, they still have like a firm stance on like yeah. that is an unnatural practice. Yeah, yeah there, I mean, I think you could, you could go through the Bible, pull out a, you know, a hundred things and base a religion on it, and then you could go pull out a different hundred things and really base a, a second religion and have a completely different set of principles. Both of them are all based in the Bible. Yeah. They're just pulling out different things, or they're taking a different uh, interpretation of whatever that sentence says. Right, Because right. a lot of the, like, a lot of the anti-homosexual um, stuff that's in the Bible, it's not that clear-cut. Some of it is clear-cut, but then yeah. some of it is kind of like, oh, you're really interpreting a lot into that kind right, of... Right turn of phrase it's not really That's true it basically says like a man should not lie with another man yeah it's like oh well you can fuck just don't sleep next to him when you're done yeah yeah <laughs> it's like yeah in in that of course it's ridiculous to <laughs> pay attention to anything that it says in there at all but yeah um okay so it's basically it's weird christianity and they also believe like in terms of like you know, like Scientology is is pretty far fetched. It's like a sci fi novel, you know. But Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah. you could ar- argue, is kind of similar to that because they believe that Armageddon is very real. They believe in like yeah. we're living in the end of days. So, um, the whole time I was growing up, they would look at world events, whether it was like famine in Africa or wars or corruption and they would be like see this is a sign of the end of times which you can do at any given point you (laughs) know so i'm sure now they're probably trying to put a spin on the whole you know probably even trump being in office and like the turmoil in this country and like race relations and they could probably spin it like it's close it's close hold on armageddon's coming who started it it was this guy it was like a it was a a governing body as they call it that started in like the 19 
14, I think it was. Uh, it was like a group of guys who... So very recent, really. Yeah, it's not an old religion at uh, all. That's more recent than Mormons. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not been around long at all, but it's it's widespread. I mean, they their publications are printed in like something like 300 languages. They have um, like missionaries that uh, that travel to foreign lands where they're trying to spread the word, as they say, more. So it's it's yeah. you know, so it's really more of an international thing, which it already is. But you know, they're all over they're all over the world. The funny thing about about being in New York. And when I tell people I'm a Jehovah's Witness, is I'll, they'll be like, but you're not even black because everybody assumes that oh, yeah. all Jehovah's Witnesses are black, yeah, which yeah. is funny to me. I don't know why that is, but um, it also we like... It just catches on with different groups in different places, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, like, it gives people... I think it gives people hope who are kind of feeling deprived or lost because yeah. they believe that, like... If you do adhere to it, you will survive Armageddon, and they believe that you will live forever on a paradise earth, that after Armageddon, Jehovah is going to transform the earth into this perfect paradise where man and beast live together as one. And so they show these pictures in their mm. publications of, like, you know, people in a in a beautiful meadow and, like, rolling around with panda bears and pi- picking peaches off the trees. Oh, so you get to you cuddle with panda bears. Yeah. That sounds pretty nice. Which, you know, when you're four years old, it's like, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, it sounds really good. <laughs> yeah, when you said uh, man and beast living together as one, I was a little bit, at first, you know, I wasn't sure what exactly you're going for, but <laughs> rolling around with panda bears. Okay. You're like, I'm sold. That makes sense. I could see why you would want to do that. Right. So, okay. Do you still consider yourself a Jehovah's Witness? No, no, no. Okay. I've, I've left when I was 20. Okay. Yeah. And... How did your parents take it? So my mom spearheaded the whole thing. So she was one of the few people that was successfully converted from somebody going door to door. So my parents were living in South Carolina right oh, after wow. my dad got out so of there. So we're so close to avoiding it. Marines, yeah, totally. And she One freak occurrence. If she had been Not at, the home. S- at the doctor <laughs> yeah. or the store that <laughs> afternoon, you would be a completely normal person. Yeah. And instead, look, I might, I might be a professional athlete. I yeah. Want to play sports. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't know how good you are. You could be great at baseball. Yeah. We'll never know. Okay. Um, so she, somebody knocked on her door. She invited them in and she was open to it because she grew up with, you know, alcoholic parents. Um, she was kind of disillusioned by the whole Protestant religion. So she was very open to it right off the bat. And she raised all my siblings that way and that they're all much older than me. So one, one at a time, they, they all kind of like, uh, this is not for how me many siblings, me. three. Okay. Not too many. And then, so since I was so much younger, she got to put like all of her focus on me and I was like, kind of like her last oh, hope. Geez. So there was so much pressure on me to like maintain this and uphold it. And especially seeing how heartbroken she was over seeing my older siblings leave. Uh huh. So I, I was doing it for her. You did know? you really? Did you believe in it? Like when you were in high school? Um, I did. I didn't not believe in it. It wasn't something that like I wanted to subscribe to. It wasn't yeah. something that I was eager to tell people yeah, about. Yeah. You know, like even though I was knocking on doors from the time I was six years old, uh-huh. but I wasn't like 
fired up about it. I wasn't like, these people got to hear the truth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. Something yeah. I have to do. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Typical high school. Yeah. Kid yeah. attitude. But it was brutal. You know, like that was, that, that's how my weekends were spent. Like going around knocking on doors. You hated it? Oh yeah. It was terrible. Because like every now and then a kid from school would answer the door and just be standing there in a fucking clip-on tie with your Watchtower and Awake magazine. And it's like, Why is, uh, what's with the clip-on ties? I, I love clip-on ties, man. I would still <laughs> rock a clip-on tie. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so much easier. Okay. Well, that's true. <laughs> it does make sense. I don't even know. Do they make them for adults? They must. Probably somewhere. Just some sad ass. Yeah, there's some website you can buy it from. Who, who never had a dad to teach him how to tie one. Or <laughs> but he's the one who's right. Yeah, he's right. the one who's got the clip on ties. That's pretty. Uh, that's an that's an intense upbringing. I had a, a moment when I was in eleventh grade. I had became friends with this guy who was his dad was a minister and he was like a born again Christian type of person. And yeah. I was I grew up Catholic. You know, kind of you know, we went to church and that's you know didn't really talk much about it right um and uh but we i went to a young life camp with him so it's like a week long you go and they're like you know it's got fucking you know there's jet skis water skis the zip line there's uh whatever the thing is called with the parachute that's off the back of the boat Oh, parasailing? Yeah, yeah parasailing. Yeah. You know, it's got every fun thing you want to do. It's great. beach yeah. volleyball. Uh, there, Everything is there. And, um, you know, he's like, he's so he's like showing me the brochure. And this dude's cool dude. Like, yeah. but, you know, a weird Christian inside, but otherwise normal and funny guy. And so he's like, it's, it's so fun. You'll have a great time. You'll love it. You know, there's going to be girls there and everything. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So, so you go and. And then at night they talk talk to you about Jesus and like, and so it's like pretty normal the first two nights, you know, they just tell you some stuff, you ignore it and, you know, play the games and stuff during the day. And then, uh, on the, on the third night, they just get this heavy, heavy talk. And then they're like, Jesus died for your sins. You deserve to go to hell. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. None of us should, should go to heaven. Um, it's only because of Jesus that, that you're saved from hell. And it, they're ba- and he basically like, it says all this stuff that just makes you feel terrible. Right. And then they just end it. Yeah. They end the night and then he like walks off and it's just silence and everyone is like in shock and this like, Whoa, what, what is this? Like what's going on? And you feel so bad. And then like <laughs> the next th- day they're like, but you don't have to worry about any of that because of Jesus. Yeah. And then they like, they build you back up. So there was like around that time I'm like I, I it did confuse me. It did make me think like do I believe in this? Is this right. something I believe in? And then like you know a couple of weeks later it kind of wore off and then I ended up my stepbrother became a uh a minister a, and he's a crazy born again Christian person. And then when I was in college we started emailing back and forth and we would just debate the Bible. Wow. About whether Christianity is real or not and so I just spent about a year just fighting over <laughs> the meaning of the Bible <laughs> with him uh, until I got to a point where I was just like, okay, this is, d- I'm done. I yeah, get, yeah, yeah. I told you it's how I feel. It's a losing battle, yeah. Well, yeah, there's no end to it. it right. There's no way to convince him. Even though, uh, to me, I laid it out. It's perfect. There's no, yeah. I addressed his issues directly. His, of course, he brought up other things because yeah. he can't 
address them because logically it doesn't make sense. Sure. Um, so to me, I'm like, cause it's faith based. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, the answers are all here. If you just read the sentences I wrote, you right. can see the, the truth and I don't need to keep writing them over and over again. And then after that time I was like, I'm not talking to people about religion. I, I used yeah. to like argue with people about religion. And then I was just like, there's no point. There's no, right. right. There's nothing to be gained from it. There's nothing to be gained from arguing about politics either. Yeah. You just can't change people's minds, really. Yeah. There's yeah. a There's small no group of people you can change, but. Well, what y- they did to you at that camp, <laughs> that's exactly, that's what Jehovah's Witnesses do. They, they basically instill you with fear that if you don't uh, uphold these um, teachings and these principles that you, that you'll, you know, you'll die at Armageddon um and and they they rack you with you feel racked with guilt you yeah know, about the whole jesus died yeah. for, your th- for your sins right it's like but i didn't it's like the kind of thing like when your parents are They're like, like you fucking lied too didn't you haven't yeah. you lied yeah, yeah, did, yeah, you, yeah. St- did you steal something when you were little i bet you did right right you should go to hell for that that's one good thing thank god there was no like confession oh yeah yeah <laughs> um so that <laughs> thank god for that like, i thought confession was so easy though yeah you go to confession you go in there and you're like, you know, you're nervous and everything. But then you're like, you just go like, I, I, I took my sister's coloring book. Right. And they're like, well, okay. Say this many prayers. And you're like, okay. And then like, you just don't say anything else. They're like, okay, you're done. And then right. you're like, oh, that was it. You just, you just say one thing and leave. Yeah. 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 You, they don't know. Exactly. You, you realize once you go truth, through it yeah. once, you realize they have no way of, they don't know anything about you. They don't even, they can't even see you. You're behind a screen. They don't even know who you are. Right. You leave. You're like, not only did I steal it, I jacked off in the pages. Yeah. yeah. It was easy. That, that, I thought that was, that seems like it's going to be hard, but it's actually not hard. Yeah. So you, what did you go to school for? So I did it for seven for seventeen years. Well, for seventeen years, my mom died when I was seventeen, very suddenly. Okay. And my dad and I—that was our—that's our world. That's our community. You yeah. know what I mean? Which is like that's a positive. So like, when you when you're in it again, very similar to the Hasid community, like everybody rallies around you and supports you. Yeah. And like if you're sick, people bring you meals. People babysit your kids. Like yeah. you're totally taken care of. It's a real support system. Um. So like. When she died, we were like, well, this is our, we don't really want to keep doing this, but this is our world. You know, this is a world she's created for us. So we kept it up for another three years. And I went to another thing that Jehovah's Witnesses discourage you from going to college. Because again, it's, you know, you're mingling with worldly people, especially if you're living on campus. What did they want you to do for a living? (sighs) That's the sad thing, man. They, a lot of them since that since college education is so discouraged a lot of them have just you know jobs where they're scraping by really just like service or industry like, jobs yeah yeah or like or maybe if they came around to it later they may have had an, an education there's so there's a couple of like doctor and lawyer jehovah's witnesses but very few of them yeah and all the ones that are came around to it after they already got a foot into the door of that profession Oh, so, oh, right, right. They so were already like, educated. Right. But my mom's dream for me was to basically live on, uh, I don't know if you've seen it when you've gone to New York, but if you come over the Brooklyn Bridge, Jehovah's Witnesses had a whole, they had basically like four or five city blocks in Dumbo that was their headquarters. Okay. That where they, where they produced all their literature. 
Uh-huh. It was called the Watchtower Bible and Track Society, and they were sitting on a fucking land on like a gold mine there. They just sold those buildings for something insane, like forty million dollars yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Probably more than yeah, that. could be more. Yeah, that's not even, more, a, yeah, uh-huh. not yeah, even yeah. a realistic figure. So sh- her her goal for me was to l- basically live in what's essentially a commune because all these Jehovah's Witnesses live there. They get free room and board, but they work for the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. So whether it's like printmaking or like, you know, doing the illustrations for the publications yeah. or like, you know, they have to, there's maid service, there's a commissary that they are. It's like this whole yeah, self-sufficient yeah. kind of symbiotic sort of, um, like I said, kind of a commune. And it's, it, it's amazing that they're able to pull this off. Yeah. And the whole thing is funded through donations. The entire the entire organization is funded through donations. Yeah, it's funny because you think about like sometimes you'll sit and you're like, you know, you'll be a dog walker for a while, and yeah. then you're d- trying to do stand up comedy, and then you're like, well, I could take this corporate job, which I don't want to do, but I don't have health care. You know, there's all these problems, and you, you and you're in New York City, it's so expensive, and you're just like, how the fuck am I supposed to survive through this? And then you think like, you know like a commune that'd be pretty sick yeah like yeah. do we need capitalism like maybe right, we should right. just live in small communities take yeah. care of each other yeah and not worry about you know making tons of money and or, or doing whatever other, these other things so i i think i think you can come kind of you can keep going and then come full circle or back around to the idea of living in a commune sure. you get away from it you're like this is ridiculous and then you're like i'm gonna go have a regular life and then you get to a point where you're like Maybe it's not that crazy yeah. of a way to live. Yeah. It might be more absolutely. human of a in way a to way live. It's, you're right. In a way, it's easier. Yeah. If you don't it's question more things, if, you don't think, if, you're, if you're not thinking about it, yeah. you're not questioning, like, does this make any sense? Do right. I want to do this? So <laughs> yeah. I live this repressed lifestyle? Um, yeah. It's, it's, much, it's very easy to just fall in line and, and, and be taken care of and you're just kind of like a sheep you know you're 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 brainwashed essentially but you're kind of you're looked after and you're taken care of or or like imagine like living in like a in a small like tribal community right that's that is that is in a nice place yeah in terms of weather and like food sources well yeah you don't have like electricity you don't have medicine but yeah. maybe it's a more pleasant life to you know, grow your own food and then just be around your close f- family and, and friends sure, and yeah. not have all of this other uh, terrible stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting to think about. It's simple. Did you ever, did you watch that thing, that, uh, documentary wild, wild country on Netflix? Yes. About was the, that Osho? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What the hell? Oh man. My memory is so bad. No, I, I watched mine, it not that too. long ago. I can like remember if I've seen things, whether I liked it or not. But if you ask me to go into detail about it, I'm like, fuck, man, I've watched a lot of stuff since then. But basically, like that, that whole that whole that whole religion or practice or whatever you want to call it. Likewise, like those people were genuinely happy. Yeah, they yeah, really yeah. Were. They were like they were living they were living this very simple life um, where they didn't have to need or want anything. They were pretty much cut off from their families. Right. But that became their family. Right. And for a lot of people, it, it works. Yeah, you know, it really does. So I can't I can't even like poo poo it too much because I know a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses that are 
wonderful, upstanding, moral people that are very happy doing mm-hmm. it. You know, it's yeah. just, um, I, I, I've also thought too, like if I was, if I had lived a life of doing whatever I wanted to do and I got married and had kids and somebody came to my door and started teaching me about their principles, I could see myself maybe coming around to it because yeah. it's like, I wouldn't feel deprived of anything at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you got to experience life. Yeah, yeah exactly. So did your whole family give it up? Yeah. So my, my siblings were already out. <laughs> <laughs> my siblings were already out. And then when I was 20, so I went to I went to School of Visual Arts for two years. Okay. So I was convinced my dad to let me go commute from, I grew up in Connecticut. Like, I'll commuting. do the artwork for the posters, obviously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How else am I going to get it in with them? So I was commuting from uh, Ridgefield, Connecticut to Manhattan every day, going to school, riding on the on Metro North every day, like a f- typical commuter. How long does that take? Door to door, like two hours wow. each way. Brutal. Fucking brutal. It's legit. And commute. I wanted to go to college, but I wasn't getting the college experience, you know? No, I'm just commuting, that's not fun. Going to my classes, coming home. That's, a, that's a work experience. Yeah, it was awful. So... I did that for two years while doing the Jehovah's Witness thing very half-assed. It was like the darkest time of my life because I was just confused and That's lost. That's a tough time regardless. Yeah. 18, 19, 20. I just wanted to be out of the religion. I wanted to be out of school, but I didn't know where to go or what to do. Right. And then when I was 20, I finally like reached a breaking point. I sat him down one night. And I was like, I got to tell you something. He's like, I think I know what it is. And I was like, you do? He's like, you don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, how did you know? He's like, shit, I don't want to do it anymore either. And it was like the relief oh, wow, yeah. washed over me. But then at the same time, I was like mad at him. I was like, why the fuck did I'm the kid? I had to pull the trigger on this. You know, yeah, that's a lesson. Like, how long would have you just gone along with this for? It is uh, when you find out it can be disappointing. Your parents sometimes yeah. uh, you find out that you just understand things better than them. And you're like, yeah. this shouldn't be the case, especially when you're 20, maybe yeah, when you're yeah. 25, right. 30 makes sense, but yeah. 20, yeah, yeah, you yeah, should yeah. still be <laughs> getting guidance at that point. Totally. So what did you, so then what did you do? So then we just kind of like stopped going to their church is called the kingdom hall. They have meetings three times a week. I mean, it's very involved. Do you know? people so know that you, did people get upset that you stopped going? They, I think after my mom died, they all kind of expected us to kind of fizzle out a little bit. Okay. You know, because they knew that they she all was, got they, it. They, they knew all, that yeah. she was the one that it was, you know, the brains yeah. behind the operation. Yeah. Yeah. So like we just kind of stopped. There was no like formal letter sent in. There was no yeah. like proclamation of like, we're done with this. We just kind of like stopped going. You to didn't meetings. give your clip on ties back. <laughs> yeah, I kept them all. <laughs> you got to come in and turn on your clip on tie yeah. and Bible. No, I never know if I'm going to become a Tupperware salesman or some other job that requires clip on That's ties. true. Yeah, you got to keep it around. So <laughs> I just kind of like stopped going to meetings. And they like they kept after us for a little while. Like people would stop by the house and be like, hey, just checking in on you guys. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Um, some other some people in the congregation would call me and be like, hey, what's going on? And I was just like, oh, you know, I'm just busy with school. You seem really secular lately. I t- I t- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like, uh, it was kind of a chicken shit move of how we backed out of it because like my brother uh when he left he he did he sent a letter in basically being like fuck you guys i'm done with this and he was like they publicly denounced him like nice. at a meeting they were like 
Stephen Smith is no longer a part of the Jehovah's Witness organization. And when you're excommunicated, when you're excommunicated from them, it's like you're done. You're completely cut off. So like all your friends, all your family, no more access, no contact, no more access to the Bible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no more access to the shared food plates, right? And uh, games and whatever. So, but when you're done, it's it's liberate it's liberating. I mean, you have to start over. It's like a complete reset. Yeah, button. I really, I honestly do think of my life in like two parts. Right. It's like birth to twenty, and then twenty to now. I had a similar. I because I drank started drinking really late in life. I didn't yeah. drink until I was twenty eight. Wow. And my life is c- kind of like in two parts of like not drinking and drinking. Yeah. Because it changed. Even though I still socialized and like went to parties and was around people that were drinking during all that time, not participating in myself did make it different. Right. And it did. I, my life was different after yeah. I started drinking. What made you start at 28? I just I knew it was a mistake. Yeah, really? Yeah, I just realized <laughs> over time that it was it just slowly dawned on me. And well, I think the other thing, too, is just the older you get, the less. When you're in high school, drinking is like bad things happen when, you know, people right, are right. being so dumb when they drink because they're yeah. children. Yeah. But when you see 26 year olds, 27 year olds drinking, it's pretty normal. Yeah. It's not you're like, what? Why am I not doing this? Sure. There's yeah. nothing. Everybody's just hanging out. Yeah. 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 No, it's like there's no more like binge drinking really at that point. So. Right. So it just. It didn't seem like a big deal anymore, but it did. It did create like two lives. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it was your choice. It w- it's not like you felt deprived and then you like went off the rails. You were just like, oh, well, why not? Why not do this? No, it was pretty. Yeah, it was a pretty yeah. thought out. And like for I mean, I thought about it for several years before I right, right. did it. Um, yeah, because when I left, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't allowed to go to parties. I wasn't allowed to drink. Uh, obviously, no drinking or drugs throughout high school. I was very straight laced. Yeah, you know very uh obedient kid so when i left i felt like i had so much catching up to do in terms of like sex drinking yeah yeah drugs yeah. and i com- totally went off the rails yeah so i moved i moved to new york when i was 22 to wow. do stand-up but i didn't i didn't actually pull the trigger on stand-up for four years because i was just a fucking drunk mess for four years what were you doing during the day Walking dogs. Oh, yeah, walking dogs. And yeah. then just getting shit-faced and high every night and trying to pick up chicks at bars. Eh, I mean, <laughs> I think that's all right. But, like, that's 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 the problem with Jehovah's Witnesses because, like, when, when kids do leave, yeah. also they get married very young because there's no premarital sex. Yeah, so of like course. So, yeah, they yeah, just yeah. want to fuck. So it's like the first girl that pays attention to them. They just get married, and then neither one of them knows what they're doing, and they get divorced. People cheat on each other all the time. Sure. People get divorced really early, and when people like that's why it's great how like um, is it Hasids do the rum rumspringer? Is that what it's called? Where they give them a year to kind of like oh yeah sow their wild oats or yeah, whatnot yeah, and come so. back. Yeah. That's smart to me because like if they really want to be a part of it, they will. Whereas Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't do that. So when kids they're too leave, afraid. Yeah, they got people OD. They they get become suicidal. It's like it's bad because you're so deprived that you feel like I said you've you've I I personally felt such a need to catch up, and that's that's really only dissipated in the last couple of years. Yeah, I felt this. I felt that need to catch up. Also, I like 
it wasn't i i didn't have the crazy experience because i just because i was older like yeah. i was old enough to like i mean i still like had some sloppy nights but not nothing like too bad and, but and i got pretty like i felt like i needed to do all the drugs like i, yeah. I got to do all of them and get it out of my system and i felt it took about it took you know probably five or seven years yeah. and then i was like okay right I think right i got it yeah i think yeah. i feel them back to normal with everyone else now yeah like uh behaving in the same way so then you finally started doing stand-up in yeah. new york so you start from scratch from right. the very bottom yeah and how i was that hard yeah but i mean like i think in a way i kind of had to wait that four years because i also didn't have any other than the Jehovah's Witness stuff, I didn't really have any normal life experience. Uh-huh, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Sure, so sure. So it's almost kind of like I had to have that period of four years of being a drunk fuck up in order to have more relatable experiences. Yeah, otherwise you would have been strictly a uh, Jehovah's Witness comic. <laughs> yeah. Talking about your crazy back. I mean, you could have right. been a comic with that, but it would yeah. you would have been really categorized as a specific type of comic exactly. instead of like a regular just a regular comic and i wasn't far enough removed from it that i could find it funny yet yeah it was yeah. still just traumatic yeah you know it was, it was almost just like i escaped i don't want to think about yeah, it yeah that's like my my dark past you yeah. know so now 16 years later i'm able to look back on it after years of therapy and resentment, yeah, I'm able to look back on it and be like, well, "That's a pretty fucking crazy way to grow up," you know. I'm, I'm able to see the the humor in it now. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, when I first started out, and and people would encourage me to, of course, because you know you want to find something that makes you stick out. Oh, uh, and for sure. You know, so people would always encourage me, like, "Why don't you? You got to do some Jehovah's Witness stuff," and I would do it. But like I said, people are so. Most people are so. Um, clueless as far as w- as far as what it entails so like there's a lot of exposition that is yeah. required before you start to get down to like the the the, the anecdotes yeah and know? yeah and having to having to explain so much right really it it makes it hard to make the joke successful yeah. the more yeah the more front-loaded it is with explanation the bigger the payoffs have to be for it to be worth going into all that. Sure. Which does make it, which does lend itself to a, a one man show type of situation. Cause it can build on itself. Yeah. Cause yeah. it, you know, people slowly get it throughout and then you can, you can weave the stories and jokes into it. Right. So, uh, how long you were there for four years before you started doing stand up? Yeah. And then how long did you do stand up before did you get JFL? Did you go to JFL? Uh yeah. So I got JFL four years into it, which is pretty early. Uh huh. And it was my first year auditioning. Uh huh. Um, which in retrospect was way too soon to get it. Because uh-huh. like You didn't think you were ready. It for happened it? early. <clears throat> it's not that I didn't think I was ready. I think it was just that I thought that that was gonna be a huge turning point for me. Yeah. Because it went it went really well. And I came back that week and I got a manager and an agent and I was like, okay. fuck, rocket ship to the moon, baby. You know, yes, like yes. this is great. And very quickly and realized then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> very quickly then what happened, I continued walking dogs for another seven years yeah um so like i quickly realized that when you have those things in place and you have representation 
you still you have to almost do more work you know what i mean like they they can facilitate things for you but you have to come to them with projects right. and like and pitch them on stuff and you have to really advocate for yourself still they can't they're yeah. not just gonna do everything yeah. for you but i was so fucking naive i was like i got a manager and agent they're gonna do everything for me i'm yeah, just gonna yeah. keep, keep telling jokes and that's it yeah so within six months my manager who was uh maureen Taren, who's wonderful she works with uh true tv now but okay. she was a uh, manager with new wave entertainment and their east coast department uh, they had, they had a bunch of budget cuts. They had to shut down. Oh, nice! The whole department. So she was just like, "Sorry, I'm, you guys are out on your asses now. Good luck." Yeah. Um. And then so I still had an agent, and then she kept me for another couple of years. And then she called me her last day with the agency, and was like, "I'm moving to L.A. to become a manager." And I Who was, was like, that? Uh, this girl Tiffany Schlosser. Okay. With APA. I've heard that name before. I don't know yeah. if we if we I've talked to her, but yeah. She's she was a sweetheart and she she yeah. worked for me. She was like really trying to help me get this uh this live show that I was doing pitched as a television From show. Hell. What's that? See you in hell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. see you in hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um and uh but she like, you know, she moved and I was like, "Am I going to get picked up by another agent at APA?" She's like, "You could, but like they have bigger clients, so you might be like low man on the totem pole." But yeah. I, that was that I so there was one point where I had for maybe a year before I had I got my current manager where I had nobody. I had no manager, no agent, and I thought, like, what the fuck happened? You know, like, is this, am I going back to the drawing board? Should yeah. I, like, should I start reinvesting in my dog walking business? You yeah. know, like, is this ever going to pay off? Um, Did you so have a drop off in, um, in bookings when you, from losing your agent? No, because she was never really getting me that many stand-up bookings. Yeah. She was more just, like, getting me a lot of meetings with television networks. Okay. And that's kind of what I was focused on more anyway, because I was like, well, I think this is going to be the bigger payoff. Uh, yeah, it is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she wasn't even um, really getting me any bookings. But the whole thing was kind of a blessing in disguise, because when I lost both of them... It was like, all right, I really got to pull myself up by the bootstraps and yeah. fucking hit the ground running, you know, and, and like really start working, you know? Right. Not just working on jokes, but like, you know, hustling. Yeah, yeah, And I wasn't yeah. doing that beforehand. So that's like when, why when people like get new faces early on, I mean, it, it can be great, but like it's not, it's certainly not a game changer right yeah. off the bat, you know? Yeah, I mean. It can be, but like. not. Yeah, I guess it's just. I think it's just not in the way you think it's going to be. Yeah. You know, because I do think, I bet, like, if you hadn't gotten new faces and right. then you didn't get that manager and agent. Yeah. You know, like, imagine where you would be at the time when when you lost them. Yeah. You probably wouldn't be that far along. Right. As you were by having them. Like That's they true. That still helped you, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it was still beneficial to go through that and get that opportunity because... You know, imagine if if you if you were just on your own that whole time. Yeah. Where you know what you would have come up with. Maybe maybe it would have inspired you, but I think it it would have been you know. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely would have. But that's like like when people get new faces later. You know, after they've been doing it for a while, it's I personally think that's better because they know they're not they're not banking on that being the turnaround for them. Like they've already put in the work, and it's like all right. 
I deserve to be here. If people are going to take notice of me, it's because of all this work that I've been doing for uh, so yeah. long. And um, I don't know. I feel I feel like it's better to, to go there from a place of like, I belong. I belong here. I des- I I des- and deserve is a tricky word because that can kind of get that can kind of complicate things. But like, if you feel like you've paid your dues, I feel like it's can be a better opportunity for you as opposed to me when I went there. I was like four years in with all the biggest comics in the world, and I was like, I don't belong here. Yeah, I'm a you know I'm a fish out of water. I was just terrified, just walking around alone, terrified nervous puking in my bathroom sink before really the shows oh yeah wow yeah, yeah. that's intense I'm terrified dude wow wow and i mean i was able to like do okay on the shows but it was not it was not a fun experience that's crazy means. that's really intense yeah. wow man that is that's <laughs> something so like i went back i went back to montreal this past summer to do that uh kevin hart yeah the lol yeah yeah and it was such a fun time because there was no stakes yeah right you know Everything, yeah, yeah. Once you get out of the desperation, terror, right, right, phase, uh, things are much more fun. Yeah, Uh, stand up itself. You know, if you're so worried about your set, it's it's not that fun. Yeah. But when you are, you know, feeling comfortable with what you're doing, it it becomes an actually enjoyable Mm -hmm. experience. I do. I totally agree about that. Getting things a little bit later, because the people that are able to develop on their own. Yeah. And then when they get it a little bit later, then they're really ready to go. Yeah. Because they've really had a lot of time of pent up energy and they're starting to learn how to do things from other their friends doing it. So they're starting to get the hang of like what it's going to be like. Right. So then when they get it, then they, they can really move quickly. Yeah. Um, and they have like an arsenal of um, of supplies in a way too, like whether it's scripts or a web series or acting real, you know, whereas me, when I came back after Montreal, I had all these meetings lined up with managers and they're all like, have you written anything? Are you you shooting anything? What kind of content do you have? And I was like, Oh, I just been doing stand up for four years. And there just the, all the blood would drain out of their face. It's like, Oh, we can't do anything with this guy. Yeah. You know, it's a funny thing. It's, uh, because if you have a manager, the manager tells you, right. That, you need to have that stuff. Yeah. But if you don't have a manager, there isn't, uh, th- there's no one to tell you w- what to do. You right. know, you just have to hear about what to do. Yeah. You got to, he- someone has to, you know, you got to be in a conversation where, where people are talking about the stuff that they did and the experience they had in those meetings. Yeah. And that's how you find out that when you go to those meetings, that's what happens. But so many people have that experience when they get that first meeting, right. they go there and they say, okay, what do you have? Yeah, and the comic yeah. says, what do you, what are you talking about? Right. I'm right, right. here. Yeah. And they're like, where's your stuff? They're like, <laughs> you mean my jokes? They're like, no, where's your pilot? Where's your, where's your web series? And, uh, and it seems like it catches, half of comics off guard yeah and uh but there's there's not like a central place that has the information for people to know right right yeah there's no fucking handbook right where there's a checklist of things that you should have yeah it's so defeating when you have those meetings and you're all hyped up you're like i'm meeting with this guy this is great he's one of the biggest managers in town and then you just walk out of there with your tail between your legs yeah like i got shit and the one of the one of the (laughs) One of the most humiliating things for me was I had a, a meeting with um, uh, with Brian Stern, who's who's the head, who's 
uh, works with AGI, who my current manager works with now. Mm-hmm. And I had a meeting with Brian Stern, who's a great manager. And I had nothing to contribute in the meeting. You know, I was like, I just got back from Montreal. It went great. And he was like, what other stuff do you have? And I was like, nothing. And I walked out of there and I found out from my current manager later. He was like, yeah, Brian passed on you because you just you didn't impress him in the room. And I was like, oh, my God, that fucking hurts to hear, you know? Yeah. But I don't blame him. I didn't. I had nothing yeah. to offer. What you can know? you do? Yeah. Like, I've do- I've, I did this festival. So what? You know, I got a good five minutes. Yeah, nobody told you that you were yeah. supposed to do anything other than stand up. Right. That's that's what you did. That's what you thought you were supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. And so how and then when did you get Conan? Uh, 2016. So that was three years after. OK, festival. so a while. Yeah. So everything everything with my career has been pretty like spaced out. You yeah. Know? Which is which is, you know what? Like I've come to I've come to terms with that in a way of like I got. You know, I got Montreal early on, which is cool. But then I've kind of realized that the more natural progression for me personally, which I've kind of I'm at peace with is like it's an endurance race, you know, and it's like things are coming to me, you know, every every few years I'll get something. So like Conan happened then a year after that did this is not happening. But then a year after that, it actually got released, you know? Yeah. And now oh, like, you had to wait a long time for that to come out. Yeah. It didn't come out till a, a whole year after I filmed it. Was that because the, from Ari leaving did it get, I don't even know if it was that it was just like, that's just how or how production the, goes, okay. you know, like there's, there's so many stories that they have to, you know, take care of and post before they release it. So like now I've just kind of come, I've, I, I, I'm, I'm deep enough in it now that I know that there's no plan B, there's no fallback plan. And I've had enough, it's a, as long as you're on like an upward incline yeah. where things are getting better yeah. and you're making more money and you're getting more spots, uh-huh. like you gotta, you gotta find a way to be happy with that. Yeah. You know? And like, cause you're never, you're never going to be totally satisfied. You're not. Ne- and if, and if you are, if you're ever like, I did it, I'm there, then you're, you're, you're have the complete wrong approach to things. Yeah. You can't ever, you can never be the final product like it, exactly. it can always yeah. be better. It can always change. And like right. even what are, even if you have the best hour in the yeah. world yeah. right now, yeah, you, it's not going to be the best hour in two years. Right. right. Like you, you'll have to write another one. Yeah. Somebody else is gonna, will eventually write one better, most likely. Like it's right. just impossible. It just everything keeps moving. It just it, nothing. Uh, nothing stays the same forever. Right. So there's no break to it. It's really like. It's a relentless yeah. pursuit. And if sure. you do do something that's great, you then have to outdo yourself, which yeah, is the you most the, difficult task of all. Yeah, that's you know? right. You have the, all that pressure on yourself to stay at that level. Right, right. So f- for me, the best thing that's happened in my career was doing This Is Not Happening. That's gotten me the most views, the most, it's gotten me the most bookings and exposure. And it did, it, it got tons of views. <clears throat> yeah. How it's like, it's, how it's many? like over 2 million now. I mean, they all get a lot of views. Yeah. They all do, but like, that's pretty high, especially for somebody that's not like, you know, a household name. Sure. So I was really kind of blown away by that. I wasn't expecting that at all. Right. But at the same, I always joke with people. It's like, I've peaked, you know, it's all downhill from there. I'll never yeah. top that. Do you, <laughs> has that translated into tangible things for you doing that show having uh, so many people watch it um yeah like i have like you know it's gotten me like a bunch of 
YouTube subscribers, which I haven't, it's funny because I haven't done anything with that yet. Yeah. But I think when I do the album, I'm going to, I'm going to do, you know, release a video Yeah. to promote the album and probably I might even shoot it and release it on i don't know i don't know what i'm gonna do with that but i feel like i have to i think you should i think you should film it i feel like i have to utilize those subscribers you know yeah Um, definitely i think i think it is completely worth filming yeah just to have it right just in case it doesn't have to be like crazy production value right but um i think there's a lot of things you could use that video for yeah even if it even if it's not as putting out a special you can still use parts of that video for lots of stuff and right there's no way you're going to regret having that tape especially if it comes out great um it's just a a great thing to have it seems like a common trend now which i think is great too is like people on instagram comics on instagram are posting clips on a regular basis with subtitles and it's such it's kind of surprising that it's taken that long for that to catch on, but like it's, I mean, like what better way to everyone is doing it now and like people can watch that shit at work with the sound off and just read it. You right. Know? And it still translates you yeah. know, a good joke. If it's a good joke translates through text as well. And it's only a minute. It's like, you, yeah. you know, it's so easy. You're not, it's not even like a late night set where you're like, I'm going to sit here for five minutes. It's, oh, it's practically over. Right. Right. As soon as you start paying attention to it. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, that is like, that is the trend that everybody's moving. So you think if you recorded that whole thing. Yeah. And then you chop that up, you know, that's like 15 videos. Sure. 20 videos you could put out. Totally. Um, over the course of a year. Yeah. You have all those fans. Then, then you can try to. Right. It seems to really work for people from what I can tell. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to keep working. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's like the first the first movers. Yeah. It's working for them. Right. Right. Once every comic is doing it nonstop. Yeah. yeah. Will it work as well? I, right, I mean, I think right. that's like the question, but people get tired of seeing yeah. it once the video. But starts, it's a like, it's a good it's a good idea right now. I yeah. think I think it's the smart thing to do. Right. Um, and that's been the hardest thing for me. It's just, you know self-promotion i mean the the business side of stand-up is is the toughest thing i mean so many of us got into this because we suck at everything else you right. know uh in terms of like self-promotion and and even just having the confidence to advocate for yourself yeah in a way you know? yeah because it, it's funny because you need to promote yourself you need yeah. to put yourself out there and you need to sell yourself but most comics it's the opposite of what they want to do. Yeah. Comics don't even want to write a bio. Right. They, like oh, it, it, it is obvious how painful it is for comics <laughs> to write their own bio. Like they can, they can't even stomach doing it with the yeah. straight face. Like they have to put jokes in it. Yeah. And it's like, but it is an important part of the job is, is putting yourself out there over and over again and right. taking yourself seriously so that people see you as a serious yeah. thing. And the people that like, are the most successful at promoting themselves are relentless on social media. They're just on it constantly. It's like a full-time job for them. Right. Um, And that's, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound real fun to me. No, no. But I think it's more of like setting up a system to just put stuff out when you can put it out and be there when you can be there. 
the most discouraging thing is like talking to comics that are supremely talented, but they still cannot, like you said, they cannot stomach that yeah. side of things, yeah. whether it's a bio or filming themselves and sending yeah. out a tape. Like they, they, they feel so sleazy yeah. about any sort of self promotion or self advocacy that they just, they can't do it. They're like, I can't do that, man. I just feel fucking dirty. It's gross. I don't want to do that. I didn't get in. Con- There's like this yeah, yeah. kind of anarchist, uh, philosophy that they have that totally gets in their way because yeah. that's no one else is going to do it for you. You know, I know. you're a product. You're yeah. your own salesman. And I, there's like five people like that who can succeed. Yeah. They're like f- so funny right. that they, w- they still make it. Yeah. And then the other 99% of people that are, have that attitude can't yeah. make it because there's no, there's no one pushing them forward. Right. Right. I mean, the stories of people getting, discovered are few and far between these days right you know and also if you're just going to get discovered you're going to have to be an incredibly high level performer yeah like to be to just live off of stand-up and without really doing the all the terrible work that nobody wants to do sure yeah so you're do you have a date for your album no, I'm shooting for the. It's been a f- fucking slow process getting the contract finalized. It's finally done. Yeah, I know what's happening. Um, and now it's just a matter of of setting a date. I'm thinking June sometime. I wish I had a date. So, so over the su- over the summer. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's gonna be at Union Hall in Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully in June, and then you know another few months after that it gets released. You know, you got to go through the whole editing thing. Um. But, uh, yeah, like that's, that's another thing. Like uh, and the album for so long, I was like, everyone's releasing stand-up albums. Who cares? No one's buying these things. No yeah, one's listening yeah. to them. Yeah. Like, especially like if, if, if you're doing it on your, on your own, like if a label's yes. not doing it for you, it's like, what's the fucking point? But then you start hearing about people making serious money off yeah. streams and everything. It's like, well, shit, that's like, you do it, you do these two shows and then it's just free money. That wasn't a, yeah, that is a, that was a really surprising to me because yeah. I had the impression that no one was listening to these albums and I couldn't yeah. imagine wh- how it could be worth it to put them out. But yeah, I've heard the same thing that people have been able to make money from from yeah. having them on Spotify and getting them on uh, Sirius. So, sometimes it takes like 2-3 years to for the label to recoup the cost of producing it before yeah. you see a dime. Well, so you like you can't even go into it thinking like, all right, here here it comes. It's yeah. almost like you just got to do it and then it's just like you know, when it finally h- hits, I guess it's just like, you know, every check that you get's like a little Christmas present. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah, cuz it just keeps coming forever. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. So, well, man, uh, good luck with your album. <laughs> and uh, I think it's going to be uh, good. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing the one man show after that. Yeah. Now I've, I've, I've announced it. I better fucking buckle down. Yeah, you have to do it now. It's <laughs> out there. People are waiting for it now. Yeah. The outline will not suffice. Yeah. We're going to have to see <laughs> the real thing. Well, thanks very much, dude. Thank you, man. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com.